All right. Yeah. Yeah, looking around the league right now, there's there's so much weirdness. It, 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 it's awesome. I I mean the okay the first line of my notes that I wrote is first of all what the hell is going on in the NBA because we are five days six days into the season and we already have Spitgate um, and we have the Pelicans averaging 140 points a game so of course the, 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 the crazy I'm so thing excited here for is... the rest of the season to play out. I mean, like for for the the Blazers' perspective here, the Blazers have the second highest scoring bench in the league. Yeah, forty eight a game. That's oh. absurd. And they are leading in rebounding. The bench is leading in rebounding. Like, <laughs> we were so worried about losing Ed Davis, and I love him. Love Ed Davis. Not saying that I don't love Ed Davis, but I some of the things that. I personally was most worried about have not yet played out as problems. It doesn't mean it's over, but I'm feeling, um, I, I don't know. I'm feeling so hopeful. Have you, have we, have you started recording? Oh, of course. Okay. Okay. Well, welcome to the Blazers Edge podcast. This is the first podcast of the regular season and we are going to be focused and determined and we are going to play as a team just like the Trailblazers are and uh, give everybody our best stuff now that the season has started. Are you going to be like Coach Dots here and every time you you whistle, we'll, we'll do something? No, every time you start talking and you go on too long, I'm going to start yelling, five, four, three, (laughs) two, one. You you, you do... You do know that last night against the Spurs, that's what Stotts was doing, right? What? Every time Stotts whistled, they double-teamed LaMarcus. Oh, I didn't know that. I did not yeah, notice that. Yeah, and the guy said it after the game that um, Stotts' whistle stands out so much that they can hear it within the crowd of 20,000 people. Oh, my gosh. That's fascinating. I was up in the stands. I was up in 317 and did not notice what was going on. I did notice double-teaming going on. <gasps> Lots that of double team. is rich. Now, is that something? Is that typical? Is or is this like a one of those new wrinkles we've been talking about? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both because we saw him kind of tinker with this in the preseason. Remember, we saw it a, a few times. I don't remember like, him whistling. The whistling, no. That that's a new new wrinkle for sure. I mean, like that's what I'm saying. Is any coach whistling at his players? <laughs> I don't know. We've had coaches tell guys to build a wall before, and but I've never heard. I hope heard, this is uh, a real thing because I just went to the Sound of Music, and you know, at the beginning of the movie when he has like different whistles for all of the children, and like, and then Maria comes and like you know turns him into a family or whatever. I just had that image of Coach Stotts at the top of the stairs of Sound of Music, blowing his whistle, and everybody coming running in or marching in. <laughs> this seems like the perfect time to let you know I've never seen the Sound of Music. Oh, <laughs> well, the people, the listeners out there who've seen Sound of Music will know exactly what I was talking about. I'm, but anyway, I'm, I'm, we I'm have a lot to cover because the Blazers granted it's only two games, but it's show. I've it's seen like a lot of stuff that it's I want to ask about. It's only two games. I'm just going to preface everything and, and, and hedge my bets until like we're 60 right. games in. I think this whole podcast carries that caveat. I don't think we need to, yeah. like, say it every time. However, Funny that heck. having been said, the last two games have been extremely fun to watch. Yeah. I and mean, you can't take that away. Like, you can't qualify no. that with, you know, preseason or two games or whatever. The last few games have been really fun to watch. Absolutely. In the, I mean, it, it's, it's nuts. I'm, the storylines are crazy, too. Vet minimum signing Nick Stauskas carries game one. Yeah. I want to personally apologize to Nick Stauskas for not being more excited about that signing. <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, granted, you know, game two, you know, was a little bit more down to earth. But no matter what, he seems like really engaged and like a good fit. Listen, game one, we all saw what he did. And, and realistically, this is not even tongue in cheek. His vet min salary paid for itself in game one <laughs> in that one game seriously right because like, it was he, against the lakers it, it was against the lakers on national tv against lebron in the opener and without him the blazers don't win that game that's a great the starters point. were were struggling in the first half he came in and went absolutely bonkers and i, I wrote about it on saturday 
credit to another guy who, you know, gets glossed over a lot and Evan Turner. Mm-hmm. Turner's out there. He, he, he was full on writing the hot hand theory. Like he was looking for Nick Stauskas. Then Myers Leonard starts looking for Nick Stauskas. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was one of those things where, the, and Stauskas said this post game that these guys are like, I immediately have a bond with these guys. And you mm-hmm. can see it. Like they're they're looking for each other, and that's something I never thought I'd saw with this unit. Yeah. So this is a little bit of a sidebar, but I want to know if you have seen the same thing. So I was last night was the first game that I attended. Like I didn't go to opening night, but I went to last night. And last mm-hmm. night, Damian Lillard received his NBA All uh, First Team award, and he received mm-hmm. it from Olshay and McGowan. McGowan. And you know that if Paul Allen was still with us, that he would have been down there as well, don't yep. you think? And I oh, really felt that Damien felt that. He looked like he got choked up. I'm not sure that he did. But when he addressed the crowd, I felt like he was talking individually to every single one of us. And I felt like he meant every word that he was saying about the team and how they, you know, without them, he couldn't. And I just, I felt the connection. Wasn't it? It was, it was, but but at the same time, I felt this connection in the building that I haven't felt for a long time. And I don't know how to describe it, except for that I feel like everybody's kind of pulled together. And, you know, maybe it was just like the tragedy kind of everybody has everybody like looking at each other like, wow, life is like really short and we only have a certain amount of time to do this. But something about the atmosphere right now kind of reminds me of like back in the early 90s. When I used to go to the game. Okay, so so you feel a little bit something like that too? I mean, opening night was electric because it was national TV. It was LeBron as a Laker. I mean, all that stuff. But that crowd was bonkers. I mean, it was just, you know, hair standing on end type stuff. And it wasn't quite that against San Antonio. But the crowd was still into it, into a game that really the Blazers had control of. Mm Mm-hmm. And we talked about it last year. There were times last year where, let's be honest, the crowd sucked. And that's just so, so weird for for Portland. Well, anytime it comes to a point where they're booing a player, and they were booing Myers Leonard by the end of the year, so. Yeah, I mean, but but not just that, just like the energy in the crowd. It it felt just very blasé, and it was very, 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 very strange to see in Portland. But, yeah, no, the the energy in the arena has been great through two games. Um, I mean, Portland's going to go on the road here pretty quick, so. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, and they're going to Florida and Miami, so we'll see how that goes. Well, I wanna, let's go over real quick some of, like, the general trends with the, with the team so far. I know, only two games. Oh, I said I wasn't going to say that every single time, but that's the last mm-hmm. time I say it. But some of the things that I had planned on watching for this year are, of course, assists, because last year they finished last in the league. And um, over two games, they've bumped it up a little bit. You know, last season was 19.5 over the whole season. Over a couple of games, they've put together 22 and a half. So it's not, it's still not a huge, you know, but I mean, it, but it's more than they finished with last year. The other thing I've been watching for is rebounds because, you know, Ed Davis moving on. And last season, they finished with 45.5. So far, they got 50 a game. And the other thing that uh, that I noticed with – oh, yeah, fast break points, of course. That's another one we're going to keep our eye on, how they do this year. Having finished last in the league last year, they are at 10. So still not huge. So some things I think maybe aren't necessarily going to change a lot, and that might be assists and fast break. But did you do you feel like the pace is something different? Uh, it's actually something that was, um, you just teeing it up for me perfectly. Um, the you're Blazers welcome. are playing. We're a team, Dan. We're, I told the you Blazers, it's a regular season. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're in our groove now. Uh, the Blazers are playing faster, with, without a doubt. Now, if you look at just like the raw pace stats, yeah, they're they're going to be up at the towards the top of the league because they played the Lakers and the Lakers are just running <laughs> yeah. and running and was- running. I would run too if I couldn't hit a single shot outside ten feet. So. <laughs> Um, that's going to skew some of the stats, but they continued to run against the Spurs. Yeah, yeah. So, well, and the, I mean, <laughs> we're we're going to talk about the bench. I know, but it felt like it felt like the Blazers were playing generally a faster place. But then when Evan Turner came in, he just seems like to have picked up his speed in general, and maybe it's because he's not dribbling it up the court slowly anymore to get everybody set up or it's not Shabazz bringing the ball up to get everybody set up. I mean, he's getting the ball and he is taking off and whether or not he sets it up, sets up plays, you know, once he gets down there, 
He's going as fast as he can to get to the other end when he gets the ball in transition. They're getting it into their offense very, 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 very early, okay, which is yeah. fantastic. And, and two of the clips that I, I put in on the Evan Turner piece on Saturday were exactly that. If you look at both possessions, Evan Turner's pushing the pace. He's not out of control. He's not sprinting down the court. It's not seven seconds or less Suns offense, but they're getting into their offense and taking taking advantage of mismatches. There was the one play to Harkless where he had the, the deep post position at like 18 seconds on the clock where he sealed the defender on the high side. E.T. didn't mess around with it. He saw the mismatch, threw a perfect post pass over the top, and it you know Harkless is able to walk it to the rim. I mean, we saw that again last night. Turner's pushing the pace, finding Seth Curry in the corner. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just... Finding guys in opportune positions to score early in the clock with good, effective shots in rhythm. And that's huge. Mm -hmm. Good shots. That stands out to me because I feel like they have been able to find better shots. I feel especially guys like Collins are finding the right opportunities and they're taking, they're capitalizing on them, which is exciting. Yes. Should, we, should we turn to... Collins. Well, I, want to, I want to touch on this one real yep. quick since you, since you brought it up, specifically with Collins. Collins, I, I've been probably one of the most hesitant critics of him, and that's not, not probably. Know, any kind of understatement. Yeah, no. <laughs> but my my concern has been with him, can he impact the box score? And I, I've always said that if, if he starts doing that, I'll be the first one to compliment him. Game one, he impacted the box score defensively. Game two, he impacted the, the box score offensively. He has yet to put it together on, on both sides. That's totally fine. Still a kid. But give him his props where it's due there. And Evan Turner has been a big, big, big part of that, at least through um, two games, getting him and finding him in his spots. And the other guy is Stauskas. And Stauskas has found his way outside of the shooting. He's created off the bounce for other guys driving in the lane. This is something we kind of talked about in preseason. Like, there's no way this can translate. And Stauskas has, has found a way to, you know, when he drives, to find Zach Collins on the backside for an easy dunk. Like, that's – those kind of points were not there really for the Blazers' offense, especially with the second unit last year. Yeah, I was looking at uh, Zach Collins's passing and because I feel like, like I was saying about him taking the the good shots and not taking every shot, and I noticed that he's been passing a ton to Turner because, of course, he's in with Turner a lot, and he's been passing to Damian Lillard, two guys who, like, hey, I don't have this shot, bail, I'm bailing out, like. But instead of trying to force something that's not there, he sees those two guys who are the responsible ball handlers and like getting it back 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 out to them so that they can make something else happen. Mm -hmm. No, it, it, it's it's fantastic. Okay, so the bench in general is this that one of my questions that I had for you was uh, is is this something that you think can continue? Is it too early to tell? Where do you fall on this? <sighs> Okay, so I think it's too early to tell, but it's promising. And when was the last time we were able to say anything promising about the Blazers bench over two games? Right. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, I know it sounds harsh, but seriously, think back. Like, when was the last time that the Blazers bench had 55 freaking points? Yeah, that's, I don't I mean, know. That's nuts. I remember one time last year the bench had a really good game, and then I asked you, "Is the is the Blazers bench good?" And you laughed so hard at me, <laughs> and I was like, "That's that's really stuck with me. I've carried that around for a long because time." Because really, for a decade, it, the bench has sucked. Like it, it it hasn't been good. And if you look at this, at these guys singularly, there's there's holes. But I think what Stotts has found here, and these guys have really bought into, is like, hey. And I know everybody questions the whole Evan Turner thing, but Evan Turner with the bench, keeping him out of being stuck in the corner or off ball. And there was a few, there's been a few possessions in both games where uh, Curry or Stauskas has kind of run the offense a little bit just to kind of get the ball out of Evan Turner's hands and give a different look. And it hasn't quite looked right because defenses are still like, no, nah, we're not, we're 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 leaving Evan Turner in the corner. We're helping off of him. But the Blazers yeah. have found a way to kind of capitalize on that by. Um, getting into the paint a little bit more with a guy like Stauskas. Uh, Zach Collins last night, he had a, a baseline jumper on the left-hand side. It was really nice, really, really nice, smooth, cleaning catch when, you know, Turner's working on the backside of the play. Um, and that's how you get away from that and keep things off balance. Now, it doesn't optimize a guy like Seth Curry, but I don't think the Blazers are worried necessarily as much about optimizing Seth Curry as they are about 
having a consistent offensive attack. And that consistent offensive attack comes from Evan Turner controlling the ball. Right. And so the thing about Evan Turner is that he takes chances. We've talked about this before, I think. He tends to get turnovers because he throws passes that people aren't ready for. And, you know, that's expected. But I was thinking about it, and it's like, if he's doing that against another team's bench, it's not nearly a, as big of a deal as if he was doing it against their their starters. So I'm enjoying I enjoy watching him try stuff because when it works, it's so much fun. And I don't think that the stakes are that high if he tries stuff and gets and his turnovers are like he, his assisted turnover rate is over two. It's like two point two right now, which is like yeah, it's, it's, it's not terrible it's, at all. No, for a primary ball handler who's not a point guard, who's tasked with running a second unit where you're, you've got some – I don't like to believe this word, but it, it makes sense. Who has some warts. Um, that's that's pretty decent. And, I mean, really, you look at Evan Turner's stats right now. He's – outside of Stauskas, he's, he's the leading scorer. Um, he's averaging five and a half assists a game. Yeah, that's great. That's ten and a half points, five and a half assists through the first two games. Give me that from Evan Turner every night. 10, 10 and 5 from Evan Turner will get this second unit going and keep it I, going for, for the long haul. I will order that up for you. So my other big question I have about the bench is, do you think Harkless is going to stay in with the bench unit or is he going to go back to starting? What are your thoughts yeah, on that? So this is something that, that Joe Shane and I were talking about in the postgame show last night. We were, we're like About the third quarter, I was like, you know what? Harkless has looked really, 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 really good with the bench. And if you remember when we talked about in the preseason – Coming into the year, I said that the Blazers would go small and we would see Harkless quite a bit at the power forward. I think this kind of solves that and solidifies Harkless at the power forward with a bench unit. I think with Harkless in particular, remember last year, everybody knows the whole spat about not having the offense run through him, standing in the corner, blah, 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 blah. Where he can excel with the bench unit, he moves up the pecking order. When he's with the bench unit, he doesn't have to worry about deferring to Dame or CJ or Nurkic when he's with the bench unit. Like it's the best shots probably going to be the, the primary shooters probably going to be Curry beyond that. I mean, Stauskas working for shots, Harkless working for shots, uh, Turner, the occasional drive. Like it's, it's very much in the egalitarian equal opportunity offense that we've talked about with Stotts so much. And with that Harkless, I think feels a little bit freer. He may not like the idea of coming off the bench, but I think for the long haul, Having Harkless with the second unit and over uh, the the period of the, se- the, the the entire day of the season makes more sense. That's what I was thinking. I thought he looked pretty uh, content in there because, like you said, you know he's not the obvious you know fourth choice or whatever. He uh, is able to run and be creative, and it's more likely that he might. Have, you know that he, he needs to be ready because it's a lot greater chance right now that he might be the one that the ball comes to rather than like oh I can't get it there I can't get it there I can't get it there okay Mo it's more like you know Evan Turner going okay what are my choices and you could see Evan Turner like watching everybody moving around going okay what are what's my best choice what's my best choice right here and uh Maurice Harkless is one of them so I I hope that he's happy in that situation because I think I, he do looks, too. I think he looks good and, and Jake is like Oh, you know, he's acquitting himself decently. Jake in the starting lineup makes sense because nobody is worried about getting Jake Lehman shots. Like if he catches and shoots and in the clock three, Jake's happy, right? (laughs) Just let him just let him eat every now and then. Defensively, Lehman's made some plays like in the the first two games, with the exception of when he got caught on LeBron and that that will happen. (laughs) LeBron will catch you. Um like, have you been like, oh, God, Jake got burnt defensively? No, no. I have not felt like, yeah, he's been um, suffered at all. I mean, I feel like he's holding his own. Like you said, he's not, like, creating. He's not, like, getting a ton. But he's he's doing, I think, what he's supposed to be doing enough so that the rest of the guys can do what they're supposed to be doing and they don't need to worry about that position. Yep, and I think Coach Stotts is treating this very much like the Noah Vonley experiment. Jake starts in what way? With, okay, in the first and third quarters, plays six to seven minutes each shift, gets twelve to fifteen minutes. Harkless gets twenty-five. I think when Harkless works his way into 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 shape and fully out there, uh, I still see him stretching that knee out before the game, during the game, after the game. He's got the bands on, so I'm still I'm like, uh, I don't trust knees. 
but he's still he's playing 20 minutes a night right now. Speaking of him sitting on the sideline, has, did the has the Blazer bench peaked too early with their incredible celebration last night? Zach Collins with the <laughs> I fallen but I can't get up was just so we have the it was the, and it was know, so great because it was in the moment you know it wasn't like something oh, yeah. that he obviously made up like you know the bow and arrow thing like I love Wes but you know he, we know how long he worked on perfecting that one but <laughs> just he melting out of his chair was glorious. So it, when we were watching the game, we're watching it in the uh, like control center at NBC. So we have like the in arena feed. And so we had a camera like zoomed in directly on the bench. I don't know why this replay never made it out, but like you could see the entirety of the of the of the celebration and Collins just going full limp and sliding down like he's a puddle from out of his chair and into the floor was literally one of the funniest things I've seen in God knows how long from a bench celebration because it, it's the same kind of thing you see at like 24-hour fitness. Like when somebody just gets crossed over at the gym and all the guys that are waiting for the next game or, you know, changing out of their gear and you're just getting roasted. Poor – let's touch on this real quick. The San Antonio Spurs guards last night. Oh, I mean, Poor Patty. He got oh so God. yesterday. <laughs> He's Lillard's so tired this morning. His behind the back on Patty Mills. Patty was there, Multiple and then he was eight, eight feet away. And it was like, oh my! Dame was in his bag last night, and he had a right to left where he split the defense, and it was like. Oh, I actually have the game playing right now in the background. It's the first one of the night for Damian Lillard when he snatched y- uh, Jakob Pertle's ankles when he got isolated him on the baseline. Yeah. Pertle went left, Dame went right, and it was over. And that was just uh, the, the first of many that night. Bryn Forbes and Patty Mills just got put in a blender. And then, of course, CJ's when the bench lost their mind. And CJ even said, he's like, it wasn't even that good of a crossover, but he just kind of sat down. So I hit it on him. <laughs> I think, I, mean, I, think was, part, I think part of this, I mean, because I, I totally noticed the celebration even before they replayed it on the Jumbotron. I was like, oh, my God, that was so funny. And I, to the person I was with, I was like, did you see that? That was hilarious. And then they played it up on the Jumbotron, probably because it was, you know, the play happened right in front of the bench. But that goes back to, like, they seem so united. And I was afraid with, like, out without, you know, Patty Mill or Patty, uh, Pat Connaughton to run the bench mob that there would be a void there. But. They seem to just be carrying on just fine. All right, let's let's hit on one, one other one other bench point here since we're talking about celebrations. Two games, Myers Leonard has done th- good things <sighs> in both games. He has played so well. I I like so kind of this is for everybody, but it stands especially for Myers as he's playing within himself, and you know. He catches those those balls on the three-point line. You can still see him think about what he wants to do, but it's less of a, like, hesitating, like, oh, do I do this? It's more like, nope, this is not a great shot. I'm turning it on. And he's, he's reading like, the defense. He's creating things for other players out of it. Game one, four assists in eight minutes. All four were for three-point shots against the Lakers. They <sighs> yeah. were doubling him in the post. That that one play where Lonzo Ball drove down, dug in, and smacked the crap out of him and didn't get a call, but Myers kept it together instead of flopping and flailing or doing anything goofy, stands through it, steps through, kicks it out to Stauskas to keep Stauskas riding. It was during that whole stretch in the second quarter, and I was like, that's that's a play right there that he doesn't make before. Mm-hmm. And then last night, the the alley oop. I mean, he got so high for that. I was like, that's that's a that's a nice energy play right there. And then he finishes the and one later. Listen, this is what we're talking about. Myers Leonard in eight to ten minutes a night, mm-hmm. getting in, creating a few things, not being a, a, a negative defensively. And, and in both games, he wasn't like he was just fine. Like that, well, that's what they need. He also, I, I think we said this about him last year, sets screen after screen after screen after. He's the screen. best screen setter on this team. And he does it patiently. He does it without getting frustrated. And I think that Zach Collins is going to get better watching, um, you know, if he if he can learn how to also screen like Myers is. Because 
it's just, you know, sometimes he'll be like three screens in a row and like he may not end up with the shot or anything out of it, but he's created it for, for someone else. So yeah, you, that's, exactly that's like a you've great been saying, point. it's like, yeah, 10 minutes a night. We don't need him to come out there and play 35 minutes and be this, you know, the starting center or anything. That's not what's needed out of him. He, he needs to go in and do the things that he's best at. And I feel like they've all, they've sort of just settled in on, what they know how to do. And they're doing that really well right now. And I'm glad you brought that up because screen setting, especially like three, four times on a possession is a thankless job. And there, there are very, very few guys in the league who go about it and do it an entire game without, you know, getting rewarded for it. Steven Adams, Robin Lopez, you know, guys like that who, and that's kind of how I see Myers, like be that guy who, Hey, now that they forget about you, now you take a three. Hey, now yeah. they forget about you, and you're going to catch a lob running down the middle because you've set four picks on this possession mm-hmm. and catch this perfect inch, pre- you know, inch perfect pass from ET six feet above the rim. <laughs> yeah, and throw it down. Like it was. <laughs> you know, it, I don't approve really of nice. that that type of dunking, but I I, I remove my dunking this um, restrictions from Myers. He, I trust him with the dunks. And yeah, you know how much I like an alley open. That was that was really nice. Well, are you ready to pivot to the the main characters, the uh, our starters? Okay, so I obviously sound like super positive and hyped and hopeful right now, which I am. I will admit, I'm like, wow, things are like things things are looking good right now. Two games, Tara, in. I am. <laughs> that, that, sh- that should let you know where things sit right now. I, I, I've said okay. like a half a negative thing so far. So that having been said, I thought that, you know, this year was going to be like, okay, just we got to we'll get to the playoffs. And that that would be great because it's going to be tough. Okay, so apparently Damian Lillard is actually on an MVP campaign because he is out of his mind good. And the second you forget about it, then he goes and does a play that's like, oh, no, no. Don't forget I'm here. Game from 33 feet, Tara. (laughs) Poor Bryn Forbes is like, go ahead, take it. And I'm like, are you dumb? Do you know who that man is? I mean, that's just that's just what he does. Game one, we kind of took it for granted. We're like, oh, you know, Dame's just kind of having one of those nights. And you look at the box score, and you're like, Dame's having one of those nights. What the hell? Like, you're just like, how does he make it look so easy? Last night, okay, so. Well, just to kind of touch on the, his his stat line last night, his stat line was absurd. 15 shots to get 28 points, which, great. 8 of 8 from the free throw line, great. 9 assists, 0 turnovers. <laughs> I'm sitting there, and I've, I've got everything kind of going with multiple screens last night. And I'm like, man, you really can't do it better than that. And then I saw Jokic's line. I was like, well, I guess you can do it better than that. <laughs> yeah, well. It's like 30- 30 plus points on 100% from the field, 10 plus assists with zero turnovers. And I'm like, that's the kind of, like, that's the only way you're better than Damian Lillard last night. Because you had to have a night that only Wilt Chamberlain has replicated. But everyone is standing around, not standing around, the, you know, Jokic's teammates are loving it. But they are watching it and Damian Lillard is getting everybody else to participate in it. I don't know if that makes sense. I mean, because obviously Jokic has a lot of assists and he, you know, he shares the ball and he's, he's fantastic or whatever. But Damien, in addition to the stat line that he puts up is the heart and soul and the engine behind this team. So that's why he's on. I think, I know this is total hyperbole, but like, he's like, no, I'm going for MVP. I am absolutely going for MVP this season and I will go all out or bust. So I'm like, I'm here for it. Oh, I'm 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 totally here for it. And I mean, the, the crazy thing is, like through two games, Dame's averaging twenty eight and a half, six and a half, and four. Yeah, those aren't. That, They're that's, not that that's spectacular. His, I mean, it, it, it's it's an absurd line, but, but it that's feels what like that it. man. Well, I mean, no, but that's basically what he's been averaging for the last couple of years. Like, it's a few more points, but like twenty six, twenty seven, five and five. That's that's been Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. Like his greatness is getting to the point where it's almost like, oh yeah, that's just Dame. Yeah, and that's right. That's a yeah. really, really cool thing because the Blazers haven't had. I mean, they had that opportunity with with Brandon, and they had it kind of in a sense with Lamarcus being like a twenty ten guy. Mm-hmm. Like he made that look simple, you know, regularly. But they haven't had a guy in the uber elite category outside of Brandon since 
you know, Drexler, mm-hmm. who put up a stat line like this night in, night out. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very excited to be witness to the Damian Lord MVP tour, and uh, you know, maybe, maybe he makes enough of an impact nationwide that he gets voted to an All Star starter. I still am gonna hang out to that. You know, he's he, maybe he gets enough recognition throughout the league that he gets the gets voted in. That would be amazing. Those, those fan votes are never gonna be there. <laughs> It's... Well, uh, <laughs> they're not voting for Chris Paul anymore, I don't think. <laughs> I tell you what, I tell you who's getting a big uptick in fan votes is Rajon Rondo. <laughs> Rondo is getting a big uptick in fan votes. Rondo did what I, I know a lot of people who watch the NBA want to do last night. Oh um, my god! <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we gotta we gotta touch on this on Spitgate or whatever we're calling it now. So I, I missed this whole thing and I got home and I checked Twitter and I was like, wait, what just happened? So it sounds like uh, Rondo may or may not have um, purposefully spit on Chris Paul. That's the that's the part is they're trying to determine whether or not he was just very excited. Well, and, have you seen um, the enhanced video coverage? Because they I do have, like NCIS status and they zoom on it. I am so sad to say that, yes, I watched it. I'm, I have no life but to sit around and watch and watch this. I... So this is what I think happened. I think that they were having a conversation. Chris Paul said something very funny, and and Rondo did a spit take and accidentally spit all of his saliva on him. And they should be fining Chris Paul for being too funny during a game. Boo. (laughs) Here's here's the thing, though. Like, I don't like Chris Paul as, you know, the character. Chris Paul, the player, has been one of my favorites since he came in the league, since the Blazers passed on him, traded back. There's my negativity right there. Why did we take Martell? Um, but the the love for Rondo isn't exactly reciprocated around the league either. Like when you talk about like league wide curmudgeons, uh-huh. Rondo's real high on that list too. So yeah, both these guys getting into it. The the surprising one was Brandon Ingram. Yeah. The, the worm guy from Men in Black comes out of nowhere and suckers Chris Paul. It was like. He was he was having a rough night. He'd already had it with James Harden. He, I mean, in fairness, I, I don't know how many people out there. I saw this on Twitter. It was like, I don't know how many shoulders I could take from James Harden where I got called for a foul when he ran into me over and over again without slapping somebody. Right. Like, it's just. Uh, but you know hey, how I feel on that. The Lakers move. are. Oh, the, the shoulder in? Yeah. Shoulder in, elbow through the face? Yeah, no, no. No, I mean, what I'm saying is Damian Lillard gets fouls, fouls called the same way for him, so we can't complain about it when Harden does it if we're not going to complain about it when Damian Lillard does it. Yeah, we can. <laughs> talking about you. Absolutely, we can. <laughs> I, no, I mean, if I'm going to, we got to be consistent. We got to apply these things consistently, but you can, you can apply them however you want. I understand that uh, a lot of people are not a big fans of Harden and I'm, I'm not either, but I'm just saying Damian Lillard is getting calls the exact same way. And if Chris Hart, Chris Paul, uh, what's his name? James Harden suddenly yeah, stops getting those calls. Damian Lillard also stops getting those calls. Fine. Whatever. Suck the fun out of everything. That's um, right. Um, speaking of fun in the NBA, though, uh, I, I, w- I want to touch on this because it was a little clip that we, we talked about on the show the other night. The Golden State Utah game. This kind of this. I'll, I'll tie this back together. I swear. The Donovan Mitchell uh, Urebko play, where oh. Rebko set the pick and Mitchell ran into him hard, and oh, they kind of they get kind of flexed on each other. And then they they dapped up, bumped chest, like yeah, this is good. Did you hate that because they were friends? No, no, I loved it. And then this, here's the thing: Joe was, had the exact same reaction. He's like, "Oh, is that is that too friendly for you?" I'm like, "No, because that that wasn't a friendly thing. That was a, at least in my opinion, a, like a mutual sign of respect. Like, mm. let's get this, let's go at it. That wasn't a, a buddy buddy thing. And I think that play, the Aminu um, Lamarcus, Aminu Lamarcus, that up, was great. Yeah, we, we, we broke that one down and like the entire time. Neither one of them makes, looks to make eye contact with the other one. 
And it was yeah, just I don't this, think this little, little eye contact guys though. Like I could see Chris Paul like staring somebody down, but I like of all the people in the room who are gonna make eye contact, I think Lamarcus and Aminu are probably pretty low on yeah, that list. They are pretty low on the, uh, the intentional <laughs> eye contact. That's 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 true. But like we've we've already had these moments. I mean, outside of the fight, like these little moments that there's a little there's there's it feels like there's more healthy competition and rivalry. I mean, we may have seen a preview of the Western Conference Finals in that Jazz Warriors game, mm-hmm. which was a and good it, game. Oh, God. Um, but I mean, like just, it it feels like the NBA is back and don't get me wrong. There's some sloppiness, but there's, there's a little bit of an edge to this season already. Doesn't it feel like that? I mean, even if you take the fight away, doesn't it feel like there's a little bit of an edge to the season? I don't know if I would describe it as edge as much as it just feels like everything is like extra hyped, uh, Right now, and I don't know if it's just because everybody's like been because of what was going on with Jimmy Butler, everybody's on like high alert for tension (laughs) or whatever, and everybody's you know just on the edge of their seat or whatever. But I definitely feel like things are elevated in some way this season, and or either that or it's just like we were off for a lot of weeks and we're just super excited to be back, and so are the players. I I, I can tell you who's super excited to be back right now it's the New Orleans Pelicans. Oh my god. 140 points they're averaging. Two games, god. granted. But still. God. They put I up mean, 110 that's... points through three quarters. Is like <laughs> I mean, granted it was Sacramento. It's still. But that's like, a th- lot of points. <laughs> yeah, and then to close it out with another 29. Or 39. 39. Both teams scored 39 in that last quarter. I mean, that's like normally when it's 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 you know done and over with, you don't see that they just keep scoring, and it, the Blazers aren't exactly slouches here. They check in a half point under second at third with 124 and a half. There are 21 teams right now that are averaging over 110 points a game. <laughs> Decent. <laughs> Granted, part of that is, is is early season sloppiness, but. I think thing, it's like, something we didn't see coming. I thought I no. think we didn't see the offense like just ramping up that much more across the board. I did not see that coming, and I don't think anybody saw it coming. It's not bad defense either. Before, oh, nobody plays defense anymore. It's a couple of things. It's a little bit of sloppiness. It's increased free throw rate. Fouls are up a little bit, but guys are also when they're going to the rim, they're getting free throws out of it. Mm. Uh, teams are hitting free throws. things. Is that because of points of emphasis for the referees this year? I don't even think it's points of emphasis for the referees. I think it's point of emphasis for the teams. I think more okay. and more – for those that don't under or don't know, there were – for really the last like seven or eight years, there were a lot of teams in the league that were just like, no, screw this. We're not buying into this whole analytics revolution, which is the old guard of the NBA. We're not going to deal with um, – you know, changing what we do or how we go about it. We have our system and this is what we do, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Well, those guys have gone or been fired. Like right. Jason Kidd's not in Milwaukee anymore. So Milwaukee Bucks are out here. Yeah, I mean, Giannis has been unleashed, and now the Bucks are, instead of like slowing possessions to a halt every time, they're letting their seven-foot gazelle run the floor <laughs> all night long. Um, I mean, things of that nature are happening. The Phoenix Suns, I mean, granted, they're still a, you know, a dumpster fire of a team outside of their top guys. They're fun, and they score. Booker's mm-hmm. out here scoring. Aiden's out here scoring. Ariza's out here doing things. Dallas Mavericks, they took 53s last night, Tara. I mean, if you, I mean, just looking at the list, the amount of, okay, so there are, there are 18 teams taking 31 or more threes a game. The Bucks, Mavs, and Rockets are averaging 40 or more, and the Hornets are right behind at 39. That's, and to bring this all back to the Blazers, Again, the Blazers are eighth, averaging almost 35 a game. Remember, the Blazers are going to take more threes. That's happening. There's none. There's not going to be any more of this 22-23 three-point attempt nights crap. Like, they're going to get their threes up. Yeah. And it's – when you get those threes, this is also another part of it. This, is, this increases pace because with long shots come long rebounds. Long rebounds, it's hard to have consistent floor balance. And we saw this play out against the, the Lakers – 
the reason the Blazers were able to get out and run on top of the Lakers pushing pace, they were missing threes like crazy. And when a long rebound comes out to the top of the key, you're halfway down the court already. When exactly. You so Got so it. now you're four on two, four on three, mm-hmm. and you can get into your offense and have a mismatch or a wide open shot really early in the clock. So shorter possessions, more turnaround, more threes, long rebounds, they get out and go. Oh, that is so interesting, the way that changes the game. Oh, my gosh, I can't wait to. I, I already woke up at 6, six o'clock this morning to rewatch last night's game. <laughs> I'm probably going to stay up past midnight mm-hmm. rewatching the Laker game. Um, we Let's let's wind it up here, though, because we're kind of crunched for time today, and the Blazers have some upcoming games. Wanted to just yep. kind of get your quick thoughts. So Monday, they play the Wizards, and then Thursday, they uh, start their Florida tour, where they play Magic on Thursday and the Heat on Saturday. Day, which happens to be the first women's hoops and talks meetup of the season but anyway Woo-hoo. wizards magic heat i know we talked about how incredibly hard the beginning of the schedule is this seems like in a, uh, a good opportunity for them to get some wins what do you think yeah yeah no uh, dwight howard's questionable and we haven't even talked about him so this seems like a perfect time to talk about him Yusuf Nurkic and I know people are like well he, he's not playing the fourth Zach's playing the fourth I, part of it's foul trouble part of it's mismatch um part of it is Nurkic being Nurkic uh in a few instances and I think irking Stotts but Nurkic has been really 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 effective offensively in the time that he's been out there Mm-hmm. Um, game one against the Lakers, 17 minutes, 16 points, nine rebounds. He's playing that's, within his game, within his skill set. Yes. I mean, that's, those are, those are, are good numbers that you would, you like to have. Um, last night again, six of 12, 23 minutes, 12 points, eight rebounds, a couple assists. Um, but I, I don't think it's anything really to worry about. While Collins did play well, when you look at the minutes last night, Zach played 15, Nurk played 23. Yeah, Collins got two quick fouls as well. Oh, I, I know. But I'm just, I'm just saying in general, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I think it's going to be a, a, a matchup thing. Like if yeah. Dwight Howard is good to go for the Wizards, which I mean, it's it's still, oh, there it is. There's the Myers-Leonard alley-oop playing in the background. <laughs> wonderful play. Um, Do you need a moment? Yeah, I just kind of take that one in. Um, but if Dwight's ready to go, and it, it, yeah, but the thing is, Dwight's butt and back are jacked up right now. So, yeah. um, and if you're looking for a storyline from that game, Bradley Beal, obviously in Portland, holds the all-time record scoring against the Blazers in this building. Yeah. Um, I, I would anticipate the Blazers don't want to see that happen again. So uh, maybe we see a little another wrinkle where Stotts uh, doubles on the perimeter or doubles on the drive, which would be something new. Uh, I, I don't anticipate it, but something to watch for. Uh, I wish I sat closer for, so I could listen for the whistle. For the whistle, yeah. Stotts does. That's amazing. I, I think it may have just been a, a one-time only thing. Hmm. I think that it may have been the case there. Um, but we'll see as it goes forward. But the other thing to watch for in this Wizards game is how much that team hates itself. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've already heard grumblings out there that they're already at each other. So yeah, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't sound pretty. That's for sure. I I noticed the way that they play is they do create quite a lot of steals and turnovers. So Mm -hmm. Blazers are going to need to watch for that or at least hope that they don't capitalize on it. Yeah. I mean, it's an aggressive athletic team. I mean, if Dwight's healthy, you've got wall Beal. Porter insert forward here in Dwight Howard. That's that's an athletic team and they can right. they can punish you. Um, I'm going to go to that one. That one that one should be fun. I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it should, it should be a good game. It should be a good test. the chemistry in person, experiencing the chemistry of the Wizards in person and seeing what that yeah. is like. And with the Lakers and the Spurs, you had teams that were much more front court dominant and now don't get me wrong. DeRozan okay. had, a, had a hell of a game. Um, but with the the Spurs and, and the Lakers, um, Lonzo Ball's not good. So And, and, and Dame takes a special um, liking to busting his ass, and I love it. Um, <laughs> Bryn Forbes, nice offensive player, but he's not going to stay with Damian Lillard all night. John yeah. Wall and Bradley Beal are both two-way players, so we're going to see the first real test. Okay. Put on Damon CJ going into that game. And then Miami, Orlando, Miami's a good team. 
and they're going to always be a scrapper. And that's a that's a that's a building that Portland has struggled to play in over. Hell, so is Orlando. I mean, remember the last couple road trips that Portland have been to Orlando where they've gotten embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and Orlando is the longest team in the league. They they can throw out a lineup with Aaron Gordon at the three, Isaac at the four, and Bamba at the five. So that'll be a, a test for for Portland as far as dealing with length, um, which is I think still think their 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 biggest Achilles heel. So it'll, it'll be a nice test of different styles and, and personnel for Portland to match up against. Yeah, Magic have been uh, their leading scorer right now is Evan Fournier, who's only scoring. I mean, he's got he's averaging seventeen point seven. They're oh, it's scoring by committee there. Yeah, they are very. Um, I don't. I don't want to say balanced because there's a whole lot of people in single digits. <laughs> there's only a couple of people in double digits. But yeah, I guess yeah. it is by committee that would say. And then Aaron Gordon is re- leading them in rebounds with 12.7, um, and Mo Bamba is getting six points and 4.3 rebounds. So they're working him in as uh, as time goes by. And then the Heat, they are just about where Portland is with regards to the three point point shots but they're not shooting him very well so they may break out and start suddenly seeing them fall or they may continue to struggle I don't know I don't know what they're going to do and the other thing is about with the heat is I can't believe I'm the one bringing this up here because I complain every time somebody brings it up but they do have a lot of injuries <laughs> what Tara we're not we're not supposed to recognize those things <laughs> I'm I'm but what I am not saying is that well the Blazers played him and they didn't have any of their players. I'm just saying anecdotally they happen to only have played nine players all year of their rotation because they've got um Wayne Ellington, James Johnson, Dion Waiters and Justice Winslow Winslow are all out. And I don't know what I mean I guess you know if the if Jimmy Butler indeed gets traded to the Heat and uh Josh Richardson leaves I mean, he's right now their their leading scorer. He's the heart of the team right now. So if Jimmy Butler steps in, he's going to have to quickly take over. And I, you know, he's a better player than Josh Richardson, but it just seems risky for the Heat to um, to give him up. But what do I know, right? And who knows what's going to happen with Jimmy? There's another weird story right there. Yeah, it's it's going to be. I anticipated the Blazers, uh, and this is, was going in with a healthy Spurs roster. I anticipated them going one and one to start the season because I figured with Deontay Murray, Lonnie Walker, it would be a, right. a different look for the Spurs. Um, and then they could kind of get fat on the, the Florida teams. Um, but they're playing so well right now. I would hate to see them like step into the oh, trap game. But those those two games, like especially if Portland beats the Wizards, start three and zero, you're feeling real good about yourself. Maybe they ride that into a, on a on a, a hell of a streak to start the season, which would be phenomenal. I would love that, but I just I just don't want them to settle on anything, rest on their laurels. That's not typically a Stotts thing, but I tell you what, how nice is it, Tara, to start the season and not go, ah, oh, crap. Well, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm trying. I'm just. I'm trying so hard to temper my enthusiasm, but I'm also just kind of sitting with what I have you know named as this feeling of just connection with this team I feel you know like I said more so connected and I don't think you and I actually got a chance that reminds me I don't think you and I got a chance to actually talk about Paul Allen because I think that happened he died the the day after we last recorded and I don't know about you but that hit me hard and uh it the the next night I sat down to record the the what podcast and I sat down with my laptop to talk about the Blazers and I just had this overwhelming feeling of like none of this would be happening for me right now if it wasn't for Paul Allen and yes. I was just like wow <laughs> look I, I don't want to go into like anything like real real deep um, but this that news hit me harder than I ever thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, even, even today, like just you bringing it up was one of those things where it was like, oh man, I, know. I mean, it's just something that you deal with. And like, I didn't anticipate it hitting at me the way it did. I mean, I, I threw this out there on Twitter because I, I really, I really wanted to share like what I was feeling in that, in that second, just because I, I knew some other people were too. I mean, and, and Dave talked about it in his piece and he wrote up, you know, that some, a lot, a lot of people had reached out to him and said that they didn't know how to deal with this. And, and personally I was one of those people. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't like it. Let's, let's, let's frame this real quickly. 
if not for Paul Allen, not only do I not have like the moments that I had in my youth and my childhood and everything that goes along with that, I don't have my current employment. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's crazy. Right. Well, like, and that, we that, also that, don't that's have a really wild, wild thing for like, for, for, for me personally, I'm not, I'm not talking about anybody else. I'm talking about for me personally. And that's that I think part of that hit me was like, like if he hadn't done what he did with, with the team, I wouldn't have have the opportunity to literally live out my dream. Right. Your life would be totally different. All our lives yeah. would be totally different if it wasn't for just this one guy who in, in, invented computers basically, yeah. and then bought a couple of sports teams. And it just seems so like, you know, before, you know, before he died, you know, I thought of him as the owner. I thought of him as a guy who'd made a bunch of money on computers and really seemed to have, like, you know, lived his life in a way, you know, that really spelled out that he was doing what he wanted to do. But I didn't think about, like, what a huge impact that was beyond just, like, he owns my the team that I love. It's like he did so much more than that. And, yeah, it, it, was, I t- it, it hit me really hard, too. And I want to address this to anybody else who's listening. This team is not getting moved. And mm-hmm. I, I know that, that I know that certainty bothers you, Tara. <laughs> I know. But but that's that's not Never something that anybody that's not something anybody anything anybody has to worry about right now. So if if that is something that's still crawling around in the back of your head, don't don't let it. Like that's just it's not a thing. Don't well, don't worry about it. Yeah. And I really think that the team is taking it very seriously that they are they are playing for Paul Allen this year, and you know it'd be a, it'd be a hell of a story if they carry it through the season, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and Go you know sometimes those ex- sometimes those external motivators that you weren't expecting are the re- are the things that really you know help you put it all together. So yeah. on that somewhat depressing and yet hopeful, because they're they're kind of intermingled note, mm-hmm. uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up for the week. And um, I will say that the first Women's Hoops and Talks meetup is next week. And um, I'll send you some information. We can put it in the, the show notes for people who want to know more about that. And I'll also be sharing it on Twitter. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at TCB Biggs. You can also find the Hoops and Talks podcast uh, at at Hoops and Talks on Twitter, and we'll keep putting out information about the Women's Hoops and Talks meetup. Go ahead, Tara, take let, us out. Let, Tara, let everybody know where you guys do your, your uh, yeah, meetings at. Sure. We do our uh, Hoops and Talks meetings at the McMinimans on Broadway, and we have a whole room and a giant uh, pull-down screen, so we watch the game. We always do a an away game, so it's going to be during the Miami game. Um Everyone's invited, but the point of the whole thing is to like give women a chance to to talk and to speak up. So we just if you know if guys are going to come, we would ask that you remember that it's we're trying to center the voices of women. It's not for um, you; you're just there to watch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm really looking forward to it because uh, it's a it's a great group of women who I've uh, come to know and really love over the last couple of years. So anyway, go ahead and take us out, Dan. All right, perfect. Uh, for anybody who is wondering or needs a, a secondary vote here, um, not that you need it because Tara's is enough. That's for damn sure. Um, I've been to a couple of these at Tara's Invitation. They're awesome. They're great events. Uh, it's a bummer. I can't go, but I've got a pretty good reason. <laughs> I'm not allowed to leave the building anymore um, during games. So <laughs> feel so bad for you guys. We, we we do our producer actually told us that we are to be sequestered during games <laughs> so, we don't want you roaming uh, in the building that makes a lot yeah, of ex- sense yeah exactly so um, with that in mind you can find Joe Simon Shane Brennan and myself uh, on NBC Sports Northwest an hour before tip off and then right after Michael and Jordan get off the air on the post game show on the Blazers Outsiders post game show you can find me on Twitter at DMarang at D-M-A-R-A-N-G hit me up on Twitter on Facebook Live during the show questions comments if you want to harass Corbin Smith, he's probably going to hop in the Facebook chat. It's, it's, it's all good times. Trust me. It's, uh, it, it's fun for, to say the least. Um, other than that, folks, it's been a fun, fun, fun opening couple of nights. And I hopefully we can keep this stuff going because, Oh God, it's just, it's just so much better to not suck. <laughs> <laughs> and on that happy note. <laughs> Perfect. We'll catch you guys next week. Take care. <laughs>